Amen. So let's answer that question. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Nobody can. Nobody can stop the Lord Almighty. Thank you, choir and orchestra and praise team and Brian and all of our musicians. Great, great worship this morning. Thank you, preschool choir and, and uh, the children's choir. Y'all all did a great job as we pointed people to Jesus, and that's what it's all about. Well, today is going to be the last in this series entitled, If I Be Lifted Up. That's what Jesus said. And if we uh, find in John chapter 12, I'm just going to read this passage as we introduce uh, the message this morning, what Jesus told us. He said, now is the judgment of the world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, just think about that for a moment. One day, no devil. One day, no Satan. One day, no temptation. One day, no sin. The ruler of this world is going to be cast out. And Jesus Christ is going to be reigning supreme. He does reign already supreme, but he's going to be over this whole world. And that's what he said next. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. So when we put that in context, we understand that Jesus meant quite a few things by that. Well, let me just say, first of all, I don't know, I don't read the mind of God. I sometimes wish I could, and I'm sure you wish you could too, but I surmise that Jesus meant several things when he said, if I be lifted up. I will draw all peoples to myself. We looked at the fact in this context that in the very next verse it says, He said this signifying by what death he would die. We know he meant the cross, that as he was lifted up on the cross, that he would draw people to himself. We even illustrated that the very next Sunday on Palm Sunday with communion, and even how communion proclaims Jesus Christ till he returns. And we talked about the resurrection, that he was lifted up from the grave. And then he was lifted up into the sky, and he sat at the right hand of the throne of God. And then last week we talked about how he is lifted up in the lives of his followers, that we lift him up by our very example of living uh, the Lord Jesus Christ before people. But there's one more thing that I believe Jesus meant when he said, if I be lifted up. I believe because of what he says, now is the judgment of this world... And now the rule of this world is cast out, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. I believe Jesus had in mind also his second coming. Now, I want to, at the beginning of this message, help you to understand that his second coming and what we as the church call the rapture are two different events. And according to what I believe, that those events are separated by seven years. In other words, the very next thing I believe to happen in the prophetic timeline would be when Jesus comes back in the clouds and uh, the trumpet of the Lord sounds and it says the dead in Christ will rise first and then those who are alive and remain that belong to him will be caught up with them in the clouds and then go on to be with the Lord. Then there's going to come a time of, of great tribulation upon the earth. The, uh, the Antichrist will be revealed. And uh, then God's going to pour out his wrath on those who've rejected Jesus Christ. And time of great tribulation that this earth has never seen before. It's recorded for us in the book of Revelation. You don't want to be here when that happens. You don't want to be around. You want to be with the Lord. And then at the end of that seven years is what we call his glorious return. Where Jesus doesn't stop in the clouds. He comes all the way back to earth. And he establishes his kingdom here on earth. 
for a thousand years he will reign here. And uh, so that's what we're talking about is Jesus said, if I be lifted up. So when he comes back, he's going to be lifted up. He's going to be exalted. And this return is a promised return. You remember what Jesus said in John 14 to his disciples? He was getting ready to be crucified. He said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a real, literal place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said in four words that we cling to, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He told the angels, told the original 12 uh, disciples, well, that would be minus Judas. But it says in Acts 1-9, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So his return was promised. It's promised he's coming again. You know, it was promised that he was coming the first time. And what happened? He came. It was promised that he would be born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. It was promised that he would die on the cross for our sins. He died on the cross. It was promised that he would be resurrected. He was resurrected. All these prophecies, all these promises have come true. And we can expect that the promise of his return is coming true as well. In fact, there are more prophecies in Scripture about Jesus' second coming than his first coming. Do you realize that? The Bible has more to say about the second coming of Christ than Christmas. But it's funny, we don't focus on it as much when we should. Much of the Bible is dedicated to the theme of the second coming of Christ. There are over 1,500 prophecies of the second coming of Christ in the Bible. For every prophecy of Christmas, his first coming, that is mentioned in the Old Testament, there are eight more predicting his second coming. Christ's return is mentioned once in every five verses of the New Testament. That's a prominent theme, wouldn't you agree? That his second coming is prominent in Scripture. The Scriptures tell us that there will be signs in the earth, distress of nations, turmoil in the social structures of our societies. Are you not seeing that? We're seeing the signs of the times. It is a promised return. He is coming back. And he's coming back to rule and to reign over all things. He will be lifted up. You see, it's a visible return. It's not. You see, I don't want you to think that there are some things physical and there are some things spiritual. And that God reigns over the spiritual and that the devil reigns over the physical. That's not the case at all. God reigns over all things physical and material. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be a literal, see heaven is a literal place. You can go there. 
You will be there if you know Jesus Christ. Jesus was a real man. He came in the flesh. He was real. Even if he had not come in the flesh, he is a real man, a real person. Heaven's a real place. And when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a real, visible, material, physical, and spiritual return and reign. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says in Revelation 1-7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Every eye will see him. Every eye. Now, who's every eye? Let's think about that for a moment. Is that just people on earth? No, because it says even those who pierced him. Where are they? Well, they're dead. And they're either in heaven or they're in hell. So every eye, everybody that ever lived, that's alive then, is going to see him. Every eye. It's a visible return. Said in, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It's interesting that that verse and verse Revelation 1-7 says the same thing. The tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. They will see him and they will grieve. They will mourn. You ever thought about that? Why do you think they will mourn? Why wouldn't they rejoice? I think they'll mourn. I think that he's talking about a specific group of people here. Who do you think he's talking about? Those that rejected him. The lost. Those in hell. You see, because Revelation 19, 13 says that when he comes back, he's going to be wearing a robe. A robe that's been dipped in blood. Now, it could be some have said that it's dipped in the blood of those, that blood that was shed during the tribulation, of those who perished, those who uh, talks about treading out the wrath, the winepress of the wrath of God, and that the blood would flow up to the horses' bridles of all those who were slaughtered that rejected Christ. Could be that blood. Could it be the blood of the martyrs, of those who, who actually gave their lives being faithful to Christ, it could be that blood, but I just tend to believe, again, I have no 100% no, uh, authority on this other than an opinion what I believe the blood. I believe the blood is his blood. I believe that they're going to see that it's his blood that was shed for them, that they rejected him, and it's going to cause them to mourn. And the Bible says in Revelation 6 that they're going to hide they're going to try to hide from the face of him who, has, who is the king of kings. The choir just sang about. 
the Lion of Judah. They're going to try to hide. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and those that were accusing him falsely of his return. They were asking, tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And that term for, for them meant, if you say you are, then that means you're saying you are God. Let's not make any mistakes about it. The term the Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means the exalted one, the anointed one, the one from God, the one promised in the Old Testament. And when they said the Son of God, they didn't mean like we are children of God, we are sons and daughters of God. They meant the exalted, one and only begotten Son of God who, if you claim to be the Son of God, you were saying you were God. And so they were putting, pressing Jesus in his trial. Tell us, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? And listen to what Jesus said in verse 64. Jesus said, it is as you say. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus, at his own trial, promised his return. And he claimed to be who he, the Scripture said he was. And I believe the greatest mourners are going to be those who heard and saw, like the Pharisees, who were responsible for falsely accusing Christ and, and nailing him there. It says, even those who pierced him will see him. I believe he's talking about this group of people. Perhaps even the Romans at their hands who did the actual execution and crucifixion. But I believe it also includes all those who have rejected him. There will be mourning. But it's going to be a visible return. Every eye, when he comes back, and he, the Bible says when he comes back, he's going to, his feet will touch land. You remember how he ascended physically? It was a physical ascent. He could be seen. The angel said he's coming back in like manner. Guess where he ascended from? The Mount of Olives. Guess where he's descending back to? The Mount of Olives. And he's going to make his way from the Mount of Olives back down the same route he took on Palm Sunday. Back through that same route he's going to follow. He's going to go into the gates, the eastern gate, which, by the way, is blocked up now. So if he's going through the eastern gate, what do you think is going to have to, have to happen to that eastern gate? It's going to have to be opened up. And it says he's going to go into the temple and take his throne. There is no temple. What's there now? A mosque. So if there's going to be a temple, what's going to happen, have to happen to that mosque? Brother Lee, did you just say that? Is that politically correct? No, it's biblically correct. That mosque won't be there. The temple of God will be there. It's going to be a visible, physical, real return. He's going to be lifted up by coming down. <laughs> He's going to be lifted up by coming down. It's going to be visible. The Bible says every eye will see him. The choir just sang it. Philippians 2. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The terminology 
is shall confess. Every eye will see, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everybody, the devil included, will proclaim Jesus is Lord. He's coming back visibly, and they will see that he is Lord. He will be exalted. He will be lifted up when he returns. I want you to understand, too, that it's an accompanied return. He's not coming back alone. He's not coming back by himself. You know, when you take a journey, it's much more fun when you have people with you, isn't it? You have fun when you go with somebody. Going by yourself isn't all that fun. Jesus didn't think it would be fun either. So when he comes back from heaven to earth, he's coming with some people. First of all, he says he's coming with his angels. Matthew 25, 31, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels are coming with him. All the angels. Now you think about that. He said all the holy angels. How many is that? Well, if you look at Revelation, and you read in the book of Revelation that it talks about um, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, it talks about 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of voices and angels lifted. I mean, there's millions, millions. We don't know how many. Jesus said, I could have called a legion of angels to come and take me off the cross. A legion. Thousands or more. But there's thousands upon thousands. So when he comes, he's going to be surrounded by, and or I can just imagine, he's out there, we're going to see what, what it's going to look like in just a moment, but he's out front in millions of holy angels. The Bible talks about what these angels look like too. Some of them, they, he talks about they're going to be robed in white. They're going to have these great wings. Now listen, when we die, we don't become angels. We're saints. Angels is a separate created being. You don't die and become an angel. You don't get a halo. Unless you go to Publix and buy those little oranges that are called halos. That's how you get a halo. But you don't get a halo. You never, not that I don't think the Bible says you ever get a halo. You may get a crown, but the Bible says you're going to cast it down at his feet. You don't become an angel. But all these millions of angels are coming with him. Just imagine that for a minute. Millions and millions of holy angelic beings coming with him you think people are going to go you think that's what's going to happen I do probably fall flat on their face <gasps> he is Lord he, he is Lord can you imagine that all every eye <laughs> every eye is going to see him he's going to be lifted up but for those who see him at that point that haven't believed in it, it's too late. The Bible also says, if you're saved, you're coming. You're coming with him. I'm coming. I plan to be there. That's one appointment I won't miss. I won't have to worry about forgetting it either. You know, when I make appointments and people tell me, can you I go ahead and open my little calendar on my phone and I type it in and set me an alarm so I don't forget. I won't forget this one. I won't be able to forget. I'll be perfect. Won't it be great to have a, a pastor who becomes perfect one day? <laughs> but see, I won't be your pastor then, so it won't matter. And it'd be wonderful to have perfect people, but you know, I won't be your pastor then. You won't be my people. We'll all be the people of God and we'll just all be perfect together. But I'm going to be with him. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, 5, you know, it says in several places, but it says right here, 
Then the Lord my God will come and all the saints with him. The book of Jude only has one chapter, but listen to verse 14. Now Enoch, this is Enoch from who descended seven generations after Adam, prophesied, Enoch prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands, plural, ten thousands. That doesn't just mean ten thousand. It means multiply that by thousands, ten thousands of his saints. And then Revelation chapter 19, verse 14 says, And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So, we're coming with him. All the angels. Now, I don't know where we'll be in the procession, but we're going to be there. All the angels, millions of angels, millions of saints, and Jesus Christ leading the procession. We're coming with him. It's an accompanied return. Now, when, if you're on earth and you miss the good news and, and you perchance are down here on earth when that happens, can you imagine you seeing that sight coming out of heaven, descending like that? Now, let's, let's look and see from what the Scripture says. Lastly, it's going to be a victorious return. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 26, 64, He said, from here on, you're going to see the Son of Man seated, seated at the right hand of the power. So the rule of this world, remember John 12, 31, the rule of this world is cast out. New rulers coming home. New rulers coming in. And you're going to see him seated at the right hand of the power. Jesus said his throne is going to be on earth for at least a thousand years. There in Jerusalem. God says Jerusalem is the place where I dwell. I'm proud of our nation. I'm proud of our government. I'm proud of our president that has proclaimed and finally seen what all of Israel know, has known for all these years. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It's not Tel Aviv. It's Jerusalem. And it's not been politically correct because it, the Muslims claim it and, and the, all these other denominations claim it, or I mean other faiths claim it, but it's really God's capital. Jerusalem is the epicenter of all things God on earth. I want you to look at Revelation 19. This gives you a good picture of how it's going to look when Jesus Christ comes back victoriously. You see, just remember how he came the first time. A little baby, born in a stable to poor parents. He was poor. But this time, He's coming back victoriously. Listen to Revelation or follow along in your Bibles, verse 11, chapter 19. John says, as he is writing this prophecy, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He didn't come to judge the first time. He didn't come to make war the first time. His eyes were like a flame of fire, that is, penetrating. He knows he will see all and know all and judge all. And on his head were many crowns. Why many crowns? Because he is, we'll see in just a moment, he reigns over all. And it says, 
He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So we're on a white horse, too. You don't have to have riding lessons. You're not going to be afraid of horses. You're going to be able to ride a horse. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. What does that mean? It means he is going to rule with the word of God, that sharp sword. The word of God will be the standard for this kingdom for a thousand years on earth. And he said he's going to judge them with a rod of iron. That is, judgment, when they step out of line, will be swift and right. It will not be put them in jail for 30 years and then we'll decide their fate. It's not going to be slap them on the wrist and let them go. It's going to be swift and it's going to be just. It's going to be right. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tolerate no injustice. He will tolerate no wrong. He will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. See, it's a victorious return. He's coming back as king. He is the lion of Judah. He is the king of kings. The lamb that was slain is now the lion that will reign. He is a victorious king. It's coming. It's happening sooner than we think. George Tulloch led an expedition to the spot where the Titanic sank in 1912. He and his crew recovered numerous artifacts from that site. Before leaving that site, his team set out to raise a 20-ton piece of iron from the Titanic. And they were successful in lifting it to the surface, but just as as they were about to get it up, a storm blew in and the ropes broke and and the Atlantic reclaimed her treasure. Tulloch was forced to retreat and regroup, but before he left, he did something very uncanny. He dove in the scuba gear, and he descended to the deep. And with a robotic arm of his submarine, he, had, he attached a strip of metal to a section of that 1,000, that 20-ton uh, piece of iron. And on that metal, piece of metal, he wrote, he had inscribed these words, I'll be back. Signed, George Tulloch. Jesus uttered those same words to his disciples. I'll be back. And he said it louder and with more force than George Tulloch or Arnold Schwarzenegger or anybody. He will be back. We don't know when he'll come for us. We don't even know why he would come for us, other than the fact that he bought us with his blood. We may have various ideas and opinions We may even disagree on some of those, but the only thing we can be certain of is that if Jesus said he's coming back, he will come back. He will keep his word. In C.S. Lewis's Voyage of the Dawn Treader, conversation between Lucy and Aslan, who you know to be the lion that was the Christ figure in his stories, Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan said to Lucy, Do not look so sad. 
we shall meet again very soon. Please, Aslan, asked Lucy. What do you call soon? Aslan replied, I call all times soon. And instantly he vanished. When Jesus said soon, I believe every generation from that point forward began to expect in their lifetimes. And the very fact that it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean he's not coming. It just means it's that much closer. Today we're one day closer. Tomorrow will be even closer if tomorrow comes. But he's coming back. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. He is going to do that when he returns. He's going to be lifted up. What about you and me? He gave us the prophecy of Scripture. He gave us the promise that he's coming back. To encourage the believers to keep living the life that he's called us to live. To keep our hands to the plow. To not give up hope. To keep going. He's coming back for us. He is coming back. Don't give up. Be encouraged. Keep your eyes lifted up. Keep your head lifted up. Keep walking the straight and narrow. And even when you step off that and into sin, come back because you don't want to stay there. You don't want to be there when he returns. You want to be walking with him. But if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you don't want to be not with him when he returns. You don't want to be the one that sees him from hell proclaiming him Lord in hell when it's too late. You don't want to be even here on earth having to go through all those that great tribulations that is described in Revelation. You don't want to go through that. You want to escape that. And he writes those things for our warning, for our admonition. And he doesn't want you to go through that. He's done everything he can to rescue you. But he's not going to force you. He wants you to accept him. He wants you to believe in him. To embrace Him. Not just for eternal life there, but for abundant life here. He makes your life worth living here. He makes things better. That doesn't mean all things work, all things, yeah, all things do work together for good, but He doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect here. But He's going to use this life to mold and shape you. Give you purpose and meaning. So God promises. And you know what? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't, I don't know. This is just how I picture him. There's not a chair up here, but I just kind of picture him. Let me get a chair to illustrate this for you. Now, you think about this. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples way back then, I'm, I'm coming back for you. And it says he ascended and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Bible says, Jesus even said that only God the Father knows when Jesus is supposed to come back. He, not even Jesus knows. That doesn't take anything away from Jesus. Okay, he's still fully God. But I, here's how I picture Jesus on the throne. It's not like he's just relaxed, holding a scepter here, you know, waiting to strike people down. He, he promised, I'm coming back. He's been sitting on that throne. Now, for eternity, there's no time. So it's not like he's going, 2,000 years, my rear end's hurting. That's not what he's thinking. Okay? It's just eternal. 
But here's what I think he's saying. He's, he's like this. He's, he's got one eye on, on us and one eye on the Father. Today, Lord, can I go now? They're ready. I'm ready. Can I go get them? Can I go get them? Now? Okay, not now. Okay, that's kind of how I picture it. He can't wait to come get us. I hope you can't wait for him to come get you. Are you ready?